Hello everyone, I'm going to try to continue to keep these pre-podcast notes less than one minute. We are now live on Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Please review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review and let the people know what you think about the podcast. If you would like to be a guest on the podcast, please reach out to me. There are no amendments on this episode. Without further ado, here is episode eight. Welcome to episode eight of Spencer Talks About Stuff. Today on the podcast, I have Mick Lose. He is a former Boise State football player, an employee of Blue Cross of Idaho, and he's also a candidate for the Idaho State Senate, representing District 22. Mick, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you very much for having me, Spencer. Really, really appreciate you taking the time out to help me help you help each other. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I... uh, the reason I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I haven't had any political candidates or any kind of local, um, you know, people running for office. And you played football at Boise State. We have some mutual acquaintances. Um, and I figured I want to help you get your name out there. And I just, I don't know you that well. And so I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah. Well, like I said, thank you very much for having me. You're right. We do run in a couple similar circles so that's always good to to see a familiar face and we actually missed each other i believe because you gray shirted yes i gray shirted in 2008 right so yep. you gray shirted in 2008 okay so i even missed you so you didn't gray shirt the fall of 2007 no no i was still in high school okay you're still yep. in high school yep okay that's when you were still building the reputation as the next big thing at a bk <laughs> Yeah, which uh, I I don't think I ever really lived up to. But uh, um, so when what years were you at Boise State? So I was at Boise State from 2003 to 2007. Okay, gotcha. So my first year was the the fall of 2003 when we had one loss. Okay, um, and that was to Oregon State. Unfortunate for my family. Uh, my brother actually played on that team. He was a senior at Oregon State. Yeah. Very cool of Coach Hawk to allow me as a redshirt to travel with the team and dress oh. out. So I got to Corvallis, and my mom and dad were there. My newly um, newly newborn nephew was there as well with my sister. Uh-huh. Um, so it was, a, it was a cool thing to experience. And, um, and yeah, Coach Hawk really, I don't know how he knew, but yeah. he knew that my brother was, or, or even if he knew, but my brother was a, a senior at Oregon State. Starting left guard for them. Whoa. I was a red shirt here at, at Boise State, and uh, I was able to attend that game. We we narrowly lost that game, and that was the only only loss that Which season. I kind of the way I file things in my brain, like years for Boise State, is which bowl game we went to. So what what bowl game was that year? TCU. Oh, Fort okay. Worth. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then 2007 was East Carolina. Is that right? Uh, a little Oklahoma too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> East Carolina was two thousand eight. Yeah. No, no, you're right. It, it was it just oh because, because of January first. They played in January. Yep, yeah. yep. Okay. Um, did you play fullback? I was. Or? I was okay. a. I was a fullback, but most of my time was spent on special teams. Okay. Where uh, myself as a as a football player, I I came to realize this later on in life that I was a much better rugby player than I was a football player. Yeah. But football was the predominant sport. I had brothers, two older brothers that were very good at football. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what what we did in in high school. I was a uh, 
a four sport athlete uh-huh. where I played football in the fall, wrestled in the spring, threw shot and disc in the spring. Oh, sorry. Wrestled in the, in the winter, threw shot and disc in the spring, and also played rugby okay. um, in the spring. So, you know, we were able to dabble in a lot of different athletic endeavors. Um, but seeing as how my brother went to Oregon State and my other brother went to Oregon State too, uh, when it came down to decision time, it was like, well, do I go and, you know, build off of what they have there at Oregon State or do I go out and and do my own thing? Um, I decided to go ahead and come to Boise State as a walk-on. Yeah. Uh, so walked on to, to Boise State and it was one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life because yeah. here I am 17 years later. Wow. And yeah. Awesome. In, the, in this Treasure Valley. So, where, where did you go to high school? Went to high school in Sacramento, California. Okay. In the Luther Burbank High School. Gotcha. South Sacramento. Awesome. Also known as South Sac, Iraq. Yeah. Is that what they but, call it? <laughs> some people, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Is there a lot of crime there? Or? Uh, it kind of depends, you know? Yeah. It depends on, on where you're at. Um, I decided that if where my parents live, if I could be walking down the street and, you know, get shot i'm okay not putting myself in that position yeah so that kind of factored into my decision to stay here in the boise area yeah so that's uh that's kind of why one of the reasons why you know obviously we live in a great community here in the treasure valley um with regards to having all four seasons people are friendly people are nice Go Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of things going for us here. Yeah. Especially raising a family too. Cause I know you have, I know you have at least one kid right now. Yeah. Just one daughter. We have two daughters and one son. Okay. Yeah. And we have one on the way that will hopefully grace us with their presence here in November. Oh, wow. One of the tricky things about this pregnancy has been because of COVID. Yeah. I haven't been able to attend any of, uh, of my wife's appointments okay so when we got the first scan uh to see the baby's heart i was very I, I was i was hopeful that i could be there but because of the precautions that the the medical community is taking yeah they said you know what um only only you come by yourself and or to my wife that she can come by herself and that uh i could video in um lo and behold everything happened so quickly that my wife didn't have a chance to video me while the while the baby's heart was was visible, oh. um, but I did catch it on the on the back end. Yeah. So we're we're hopeful that you know a lot of people say, "Are you aiming for a boy? Aiming for a girl?" Um, myself and I've actually trained my kids to say this too. We want healthy. Yeah, yeah. You know, we want we want a healthy healthy baby that we can uh, get out here and love on. Yeah. So. Awesome. Awesome. Um, Okay, so before I forget, I always we I always start chatting with people and then I forget about the beginning thing. So a shtick of this podcast is I ask the guests to bring on one of their favorite drinks. Um and so you have a surprise for me. Um so we're gonna we're gonna get them ready and then we're gonna chat about it a little bit and then um yeah, we'll get rolling. Yeah, so I didn't know that that was part of the, the show, but I had a feeling that you know what, if he did something like that, that would be actually pretty cool where yeah. a guest brings something that they like to drink Yep, and something that, you know, well, I don't know. Do you feel obligated to drink it because someone brought it for you or how do you, yeah. how do you feel? Yeah, okay. I like uh, I like knowing what certain people's favorite drinks are and then getting to enjoy it and then figuring out why they like it. So, Okay, and um, then 
so in our in our preparation we didn't or i'm not much of a uh, a a beer drinker or alcohol drinker okay but i definitely like to get down when when it's time to get down yeah um so in that spirit i guess the the first half of the spirit i brought a fresca sparkling soda water okay grapefruit citrus okay a coca-cola zero sugar okay caffeine free okay and then a coca-cola sugar zero sugar orange vanilla which is new and it's awesome and i've had those i've had way too many of those <laughs> all right well all right so, all right so we're gonna crack one well, and do you so do you use them as mixers then um, I actually like to drink them. Like yeah. some people enjoy a a cold beer after mowing the lawn. Yeah, I'll, I'll pick up a diet soda. Okay. Of, of any kind. So awesome. I will let the host choose which one they. I'm gonna take the orange vanilla. Okay. Okay. Awesome. I will sip on the Coca Cola zero sugar caffeine free. Okay. So I should probably tell you, the reason I know so much about the orange vanilla zero sugar, I've been dieting recently and like when you cut out carbs you crave like anything that tastes like sugar and this is like candy it's seriously it's like having dessert <laughs> and that's why i can drink like five of them a day well there, there's one yeah, yeah we yeah. got four more to go yeah um but to pair this and the reason why we have oh, glasses with okay with uh with some ice in there is okay. because i brought some vodkas okay and we have a nice Idaho selection of 44 North Ooh. Mountain Huckleberry. Okay. And the uh, the Huckleberry Koenig Distillery flavored vodka. Okay. So you can choose which one you want for this one as well. What do you think would go better with the orange vanilla? Are they both Huckleberry? They are both. Well, one, one's Mountain Huckleberry. The other one is Huckleberry. Okay. I'll try the 44 North. So the 44 North will be Spencer's Huckleberry. All right. For this drink. Awesome. Yeah, I don't I don't really do much tasting of the uh of the, the alcohol when I drink it. I just get it done. Yeah. yeah. Right on. Yeah, I uh I always joke with, you know, I've had this conversation a few times with people how I don't know if people who enjoy like super hoppy IPAs or like very strong beers if they actually like it or not if it if they're pretending to like it because it's such like a fad thing right now which i do enjoy an ipa every once in a while but there's some that i try that are like it's way too like hoppy and strong and if it gets a little bit warm you can't enjoy it anymore so hmm. yeah so one thing that i'm totally okay with is never having acquired the taste for beer in general yeah you don't like beer uh, it if it's there it's there i'm, I'm not going to go out of my way to Drink a beer? Yeah. Because uh, I just don't like the taste. Yeah. And yeah. It's as simple as that. So, yeah, right. we can use this as a mixer. That that works for me. Okay. We are mixing the drinks right now. Cheers. Cheers. That's my, uh, so the glass that you're using, that's my famous Suds birthday glass. I don't know if you ever went to Suds back in the day. Been there a time or two. A couple times, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like so they had a they had a birthday deal where I think you paid like five dollars on your birthday and you got the glass and you could have one shot and refill the glass like five times. It was the most ridiculous thing, but it had to be on your birthday. So mm. all right, I'm trying it. 
pretty damn good. Nice. Huckleberry yeah. and vanilla orange. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right, Mick. So, I mean, part of the reason I brought you on is because I want to learn a little bit more about local politics. Um, but first and foremost, I, I'm asking you, like, I it would be so hard for me to put myself out there to actually run in a local election. So what caused you to want to do it? Um, to put yourself out there to represent a district? Great question. Um, the real reason, or actually one of the many reasons why I decided to put my hat in is because my wife said I could. Hmm. You know, it's something that uh, I've I've had on, on my heart for, for a while now. I've been politically aware for a long time. Yeah. And then coming from, from the background that, that I have in terms of just my time in here in Idaho, you know, I've seen us grow into, you know, what Dr. Custer used to talk about all the time, that Metropolitan Research University of Distinction. Yeah. Like these are little things that, I, that I've picked up and along the way I had many, many great mentors and, and teachers that have influenced my life. And I think there is a lot that we can do as a community, as, as a state that will lead the, the charge into the future. What I see on the, on the local level is a real failure to fear a failure of fear, so to speak, where there are a lot of laws in place that are based on fear. Yeah. Not based on data, not based on rationality, not based on anything of that that type. It's more so, well, we're scared of that, so we're going to do this. Yeah. You know, and I think we need to put people in a position where we can affect some change in the positive, in the positive manner. Yeah. You know, so taking some of the lessons that I've learned throughout my time at Boise State, with the football team in the classroom, being around other student organizations, also from my professional career in the technology sector, now healthcare, you know, we we can forge a path that is better for everybody and that really really fosters innovation as opposed to things that, that really stifle that. And I think fear it plays plays a, a huge role in that. Yeah. So that that's kind of one of the many reasons why I decided to throw my hat in the race, uh, so to speak. And and in terms of my competitive nature, I'm okay with with learning. Yeah. You, know, you win some, and then you learn some. Yeah. So for me, you know, this is an opportunity to learn to grow, and for for my entire family to learn and grow. Not only my immediate family that's here, my my nucleus of family, but also my nieces and nephews that mm-hmm. are, you know, growing up in a, in a similar kind of similar background as myself. I, I myself am a first generation American here. Yep. And they're, my nieces and nephews are now second generation. But there are lessons that we can learn and, and, and just see and not have to experience that, that pain. You know, one of the, one of the great sayings that I've heard is, you know, uh, Having 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 a testimony is great, but getting one sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you know, kind of taking taking things that that we've implemented, and and putting those into practice is is something that that I'm really really looking forward to doing. Um, you know, when the the good residents of District 22 send me to the state house on their behalf. Yeah, awesome, yeah. cool. Um, yeah, I just I haven't ruled out for myself 
someday running for some sort of office. And I think it's something that's always kind of been in the back of my head that I would like to do at some point. Um, I just don't know if I could take the, uh, you know, twisting of words and public scrutiny and, you know, digging up everything. It's like, it just seems so a lot of the things in the political sphere, and I don't know if it's like this locally or not, but at least on the national level, it gets so petty and so like ridiculous, especially if they're bringing up, you know, people bring up stuff that somebody did in the seventies and asking, Hey, why'd you do that? And you're doing this 50 years later. It's like, well, it was a different time back then. Maybe people had different mentalities about things. And especially if somebody was doing something different back then than what they're doing now, I kind of see that maybe as a good thing because they grew and they maybe learned something new. So, um, but yeah, I just, the, the putting yourself out there, I, I commend you for that because Thank that's you. pretty awesome. Yeah. So. And, and just to draw on some of the, the shared experience that you and I have, cause there's that crossover with coach Pete. Yep. Um, one of the things that coach Pete would always say to me, and this will probably ring true for you as well, is that you're never as good as they say you are, but yeah. you're never as bad as they say you are either. Yep. You know, so having that, having that as a, as a kind of a guiding light. Yeah. You know, it's, it's something that that's very powerful and also surrounding yourself around people who care about you and, you know, your success is something that is instrumentally integral to, you know, your 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 mental health yep. in in terms of putting yourself out there. One of the the great sayings or the great mantras that I that I kind of adhere to is from our one of our former first ladies, Eleanor Roosevelt. She says no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Mm-hmm. So me, I'll say, well, then I don't consent. Yeah, yeah. You know? That's so, awesome. Yeah, just just decide to live the way that you want to live and be good with it. If something needs to be adjust, adjust. Yeah. Like another familiar coach of ours, uh, Coach Choate. Yeah. Says, you know, the great ones adjust. Yeah. And that that's a that's a constant mindset that that I've adopted or, or and adapted to my 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 outlook on life yeah you know, not not everything is going to be um great all the time but you can always learn and grow from that yeah so that's that's i mean these are just some of the life lessons that i look to take to the state house with me you yeah. know in addition to to some of those lessons you know you there are resources out there just like this podcast you know where you can take something and 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 learn from it mm-hmm. you know uh, i think there's one great resource that that gets very very underutilized and it's not to say that it's it it needs to be done away with because i don't think so but the library system okay you know a lot of people don't understand that you can go check out videos and books and other things video games i didn't even know you could do video games video games and the thing that i've really done a lot the past probably five years has been audiobooks okay how cool is it to listen to a book you know from the library like I like to do that when I work out. Yeah, yeah. I know a lot of people like to listen to music while they're while they're working out. Well, I like to feed my muscles with the you know putting stress on them with the with the weights and all that stuff, but also feed my mind at the same time with either a podcast like yeah Spencer talks about stuff, <laughs> or um or even an audio book. You know, and I think right there at that time, you're very very open. You know, because there are there are there aren't as many things tugging on you when you're working out Mm -hmm. you know you're there for a specific purpose another coach pete ism that he would say is you know be here now yep yep when you're at the gym you know you're there to to hopefully get better yep and that's what i see a lot of right now 
in our current state where the gym that I attend is is open and everybody's happy, you know, to to be back there. And I'm I'm very happy to be in the gym or have access to a gym. And then yourself as a gym owner, I think you're yeah, it's you're been happy. been nice having it open. And I mean, the the gym goers are members; they appreciate it too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And but I think even with that, there's a there's a responsibility as we are currently experiencing where there's a rollback of the stages. You know, stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four, and then back to open open game. Yeah, or open season. Um, having that that gym you know, is, is not only a place to get better, but a, also a place of solace, you know, yeah. a place of refuge for a lot of people where if things aren't going the way that they want to, at least they know the iron is going to be there. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, they know that they can go there and, and get better. One of the, one of the great things about that is you can also leave the gym too. You know, if your body is tired, just go ahead and, and, and get some rest. That's yeah. your body telling you that you need some rest. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's definitely a great thing to, to have, there you know and 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 open but you know these are these are free resources that we were talking about with the library with the gym i mean even just going outside is is a great way to relieve stress and help build your immune system yeah you know yeah. And, and right now we with this whole with our current state of the pandemic you know your immune system needs to be as strong as possible so yeah that you are as healthy and happy as as you can be yeah yeah i think uh it, it's funny because you see you know, these talking heads, you see what the CDC says, you see what the WHO says, and nobody talks about diet and exercise and stop smoking. And it's like, I mean, those are three very easy things that people can do to protect themselves. Sleep. And yes, yeah, sleep, plenty of sleep. Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm all about the microbiome and gut health and, you know, doing things to, to promote a, a, a healthy immune system a healthy immunity system, um, even stretching, you know, yeah. and, and in having the information that's available to us now, you know, we, I, I'm, I'm pretty certain that we know more than what doctors knew, like us laymen's or, I, yeah. or me as a layman, I'm, yeah. I shouldn't call you a layman. No, I'm, a, I'm, I don't know a lot, but I know I know what you're getting at. Yeah. We, yeah, we have so much access to information. So we have more than you know what doctors, professional doctors, would have thought you know 150 years ago. Yeah, and we can take that in and, and synthesize that and and make the decisions that we feel most comfortable with. You know, one time, and this is pure anecdotal, but a monk was like writing the the scriptures or writing some some text, and he looks to his buddy and says, "Hey." Do you ever think there will be a time where, you know, that farmer will be able to read his monk buddy's like, of course not. Yeah. You know, they're, they're, the people are too stupid to, to know how to read. You know, yeah. that, that's a, that's a, that's a right reserve for, for us monks or us, you know, us people that are in the know, you know, so I don't see that I will ever understand thermodynamics. Yeah. But there may be a chance, you know, where thermodynamics is as, comment as ABC one, two, three. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and, and it goes back to, you know, do you want to live in abundance or would you rather live in scarcity? Yeah. You know, and I think right now a lot of people, and it's just part of our human experience where people will, will tend to say, Oh, well I'm going to live in scarcity. I need this. This is being taken away from me. This is, this is this, or this is that. Um, you know, and they're, they're, ch they're choosing to listen to their, their most primal, 
echoes that are that are in their brain as opposed to saying, well, okay, let's let's see what it is, appreciate that, and then let's just try to live in abundance with what we have. Yeah. So that's that's something that you know is is readily available to all of us, and we can we can really choose which path we want to go on. Yeah. 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 There's so much. It's funny to me because there is so much available information and people willingly don't want to educate themselves about certain things. And it's to me, especially looking at history, why wouldn't you want to learn about history? It's the coolest thing. It's like how we got here. When I go and travel to other places, like we were talking about how my wife and I have gone to Hawaii a couple of times in the past couple of years. And I read so much about the Russians occupying the, um, the island of Kauai because we drove by some ruins from when the Russians were there. And I had no idea that the Russians were even, you know, in Hawaii for a little bit. You just educated me. I yeah. didn't know that either. Yeah. It's like, it's fun to get out and travel because then you, certain things pique your interest and then you can go on the internet and it's free. I mean, it yes. is literally free to go learn things. So, Yeah. Yeah, so Mark Cuban said, I heard him say, well, you know, if if I go and buy this book and it costs me $20 to buy the book and I get one idea, that's money well spent. Yeah. You know, and now we're talking about resources that are free and abundant. You know, that's that's all you have to do is the effort. You have to put effort in there. Yeah. You know, and that's something that we all individually can control most of the time is our effort and our attitude. Yeah. You know, so making sure that you have a an attitude of gratitude you know, in in not closing your mind off to say that I'm not going to learn anything or there's nothing that I can learn from, from this person or that person, um, you know, really, really helps you live in, in abundance. You know, right now I could be worried about some things that, that don't matter, but I'm here right now with you at this yeah. podcast. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to do what we can to, to just grow from, from this experience. Yeah. 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 And that's another thing too, is it, as I've gotten older, um, I think I've done a lot of growing up in the past year, two years. And what you said about not shutting yourself off from other people or assuming you think you know what they're going to say. Um, I think having conversations with people that you wouldn't normally have conversations with opens your mind up to totally new things and lets you know, like, I want to know what certain people's interests are. I want to know what your interests are. I I want to know what, you know, the guy at the gym, what he's interested in because I only see him for an hour a day, but he has all his problems. He has his job he has to worry about. He has his family he has to worry about. And when you talk to people, I think one of the big things you learn is that people are more alike than they are different, way more alike than they are different. So Yeah, I absolutely agree with that wholeheartedly and with regards to the political landscape right now there's a lot that we can get done that hasn't been done you know so there's this thing called the grocery tax where people are taxed on the groceries that they that they purchase yeah that's kind of held back and you know the revenue is collected and then it's dispersed amongst the people around tax time or back to you know there's a there's a grocery tax credit that if anybody's familiar with filing their taxes you know you claim it or or you don't yeah um how but much how much is the grocery tax credit? It's like fifty bucks. Okay. You know, fifty bucks a, a head. Yeah. So per per resident or, or one fifty or something like that. But that's something that eighty to ninety percent of the legislators could agree on. Yeah. You know, because that, that is a, a, a tax 
on everybody. And if you don't have that many resources to begin with, you know, there's no reason to take more, especially if it's like an essential service, so to speak, where everybody needs food. The frequency of how much food they need and what kind of food they need, we'll get probably get into that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was something that everybody agreed on that should be repealed and no legislation was brought forth to the floor that would accomplish that. Yeah. So, so are we talking about, so if the grocery tax for the whole state went away, that's just that 6% we pay every time we go to the store. So it depends on what, what the goods are. Okay. You know, so the way the grocery tax is, it's on, on actual groceries. So the food, like, you know, bread, milk, eggs, vegetables, fruits, if we were to take that away, and our, our neighbors to the south, yeah, southeast, uh, Utah, did away with their grocery tax. Uh-huh. But what I noticed on the receipts that I get when I'm in Utah is there's like two different taxes there. There's oh, okay. like a 7% tax for this and a 3% tax for this. And it's like, wait. And I'm not a resident of Utah, so I, you know, forgive me for not knowing. Um, but we have this, this grocery tax, and, it, and um, it's something that our legislators all probably agree in principle that should be getting should be get gotten rid of yeah and no no legislation has come has been put forth to to eliminate that do you think it's because they're focused on other things or this is at the bottom of the list or nobody wants to bring it forward like why hasn't that been brought forward i think the reason why this hasn't been brought forward is because there are some special interests that like the way the te- grocery tax uh, is is accounted for yeah. you know, in terms of the state revenues. Um, so that would probably be my suspicion. Um, but as a legislator, you are beholden to your constituents and your residents. But ultimately, the decision lies with you. Yeah, you know, we live in a in a constitutional republic or d- democratic republic. And what is it that, all right, if I'm going to tell Spencer, Spencer, go ahead and, and, and make those decisions. Or actually, no, we'll, we'll take it even be more basic. I saw some commemorative coins here uh-huh. that said, you're the captain of this game. Yep. As a, as a unit, if a captain says, do something, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and what, what, what kind of was... What do you think was going through the coaching staff's mind when they, or I don't even know how, how were captains decided when, when you were, when you were playing? It was probably a little bit different than when you were playing. Um, but I get the analogy. Um, but yeah, it was, it was guys who did well in the previous game. They got a shot to be the captain and go out and represent the team at the beginning of the game. Um, I think in your time, it might've been a little bit more old school where the guy was, had a little bit more, you know, power over certain things. So four captains a game um, changed week to week. Okay. So, so the, just getting back to the, the whole decision, like you're the captain and you know, you want to be a good captain for the team, but ultimately the decision is going to lie with you. Yep. You know, I think you were actually on the team when this happened, when Doug's ass went and freaking hit the vandal. Out of the oh eye. yeah. 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 In the, yeah. He took the, so Doug Martin took the hammer and he ran out to the middle of the Idaho field and he slammed it on their logo and it angered the other team, obviously. <laughs> right. But that, that decision for, for someone to go and, and act out on, on their own volition 
is something that, you know, ultimately your representative or your senator or your legislator is going to cast that vote. They're going to take in bits and pieces of information, but ultimately they're going to make a decision that, that they feel is, is best for yeah. them. So when I hear people say, hey, you're supposed to be representing the people. Hey, you're supposed to do that. It's like, well, you know, if we were if we were just a straight up democracy and, and majority plus one ruled. Yeah. Then that's the kind of government we would have. Could we do that? Maybe. But I think it's indicative on on the person or individual to have the competencies and decision making, decision processing to make an informed decision that that best serves, you know, the greatest amount of people. Yeah. It's very interesting you bring that up because I I actually finally finished this book that I've been reading for like over a year. And it was like, it was almost like reading a textbook, but it was about the history of ancient Rome. And obviously we've gotten a lot of our um, legislative, uh, the way we do things from Rome. But when they first started electing representatives and sending them to Rome, because, you know, the Roman Empire stretched as far as Egypt and it went to Constantinople and it was as far north as the UK. Um, so they would elect in their little regions representatives to go down to Rome and to represent them. And there was huge debate about should they represent what the people would collectively vote for or do they re- do they represent the people the people trust that person to go make the decisions for them. So it was it's very interesting. I never really thought about it like that like am I entrusting this guy to go make or guy or gal to go make all the decisions for us or do we just want them to vote the way we want to vote all the time yeah and that that is actually key because i didn't completely understand or come to this realization until i was watching something about rome and it was um well i guess the italy you know the, the medici family okay where that that series that i was watching showed you know, it's a, it's a republic, so people get elected and people go vote on their behalfs. But it was that person's decision, ultimately, whether they vote in favor or vote against something. It's yeah. that person's decision, no matter how you cut it or slice it. That that person is the representative, whether good or bad or indifferent. That person is making a decision that they feel is the best for the current situation. Yeah. You know, yeah. so when I hear people say, "I'm going to represent your interests." To me, that's a little bit in disingenuous. Yeah. Because I think, first and foremost, we're we're all individual human beings, and you know, there's a little bit of of the term is whiffum, the what's in it for for me. Uh huh. But excuse me. You know, there there's always you can't separate self from that decision that you're going to make, whether it's as altruistic as possible. You're still taking everything that is encoded in you, you know, some people will call it bias. Some people call it information. Yeah. But you're still acting with all the information that you have to make that decision. Yeah. You know, so ultimately, you know, it's, it's like on the national scale, you know, people say we vote for this person in the executive branch and whatever they decide to do, that that's, that's their decision. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that it's actually a good, a good illustration of if you voted for somebody or support somebody, you know, all the decisions that they're going to make ultimately are their own. Yeah. You know, so having the best interest of people and, and being, being someone who, who actually cares about people is, 
is hugely important in terms of the the leaders that we elect because at least we know that they care. Yep, yep. You know, and one thing that I thought was so great when I got here to Boise State was Coach Hawk knew everybody's name. You know, the head coach knew didn't matter if you were Ryan did when he started quarterback since you were a freshman or if you're a walk-on kid from Sacramento, California playing fullback. You yeah. know, this, this position that doesn't really exist as much <laughs> as it once did. Yeah. Um, you know, but Coach Hawk is actually the, the person that made me make a decision on whether I was going to be known here in at Boise State as my proper name is Michael. Okay. But growing up, my nickname was Mickey. Okay. So I get here, I have decisions to make. Am I going to be known as Michael, Mike, Mickey? I ultimately decided just, let's just go with Mick. Yeah. You know, it was just nice, simple, and I didn't really appreciate how much people would get that confused with Nick or Rick or, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, other Vic, other <laughs> other Ick names. Yeah. Um, and the way I spelled it, had I spelled it M-I-C-K, I think everybody would be, would recognize that as Mick. Yeah, yeah. But me, just because, decided that, well, my last name, okay, now this just, you just came to me. The reason why I went with M-I-K was because my last name was four letters. Okay. L-O-S-E. So I was like, well, I don't really like how that looks, you know, having a M-I-C-K, L-O-S-E, you know, it's, it's, it's symmetrical. Yeah. You know, four letters here, four letters there, but I'd rather have it just, let's forget the C and, and we'll put the K in there. Yeah. So we were sitting there one day right before practice, uh, the running backs and fullbacks would go catch balls for the, for the quarterbacks. So I'm sitting there with, uh, with Mike Sanford. I'm catching balls for him and Coach Hawk is warming up with us and he's like, well, what do you want to be known as? Michael, Mick, Mickey? What do you think? I'm like, well, let's go with Mick. Yeah, Mick sounds good. Yeah, yeah. so we went with Mick. Nice. Yeah. And it just stuck. It stuck and every time I introduce myself to anybody here in, or actually anybody anywhere, I'll call myself Mick. Yeah. Um, so it kind of built in, um, it built in, a, a, I guess, a guard so that if you called me Mickey, I knew you from before my time here at Boise State. Yeah. If you call me Mick, it's likely I know you from Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you call me, if you call me Michael, you probably know me from, from my high school, elementary, junior high days. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's pretty funny that you can tell when they know you from based on what they call you. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that is very, very interesting. But then getting into this other subject, um, so for those of you on the podcast, you can't you can't see us at the moment, but I'm actually uh, an American of Polynesian descent. Yeah, um, melanated beautifully. <laughs> um, so my first language was was Tongan. Okay, my parents spoke to me in Tongan. I didn't always like it. I should have if I could go back and and just and make an impression on on my younger self. It would be hey, learn that language yeah. because the more languages you know the more information you have, the more opportunity you have, mm-hmm. you know, which, which kind of gets into, there are a lot of people who say, do everything in one language, do it, you know, this is America, you speak English. Well, if I'm in America, maybe I should speak American, but <laughs> I digress. But <laughs> having, that, having that knowledge of, of different languages is, is critically needed, you know, and not only spoken language, 
but mathematics. Yeah. You know, mathematics is, is, is a language that everybody understands, or even if you don't understand it, math is the universal communicator. That's what they say. Like, if you watch any sci-fi movie where they're going to make contact with aliens, they say the universal language is math. We have to communicate to them in math. I always like that. Yeah, and I was talking to my my, uh, my daughter. She's 11 now. She's about to turn 12 in August. But uh, maybe five years ago, she was in the in the backseat with, uh, with some of her cousins, and I just threw the question out there. Hey, what do you guys think? What language do you guys think is uh, spoken the most? And they're like, oh, English. Oh, Chinese. Oh, this, that, the other. I was like, no, it's math. Oh, yeah. You That's know? awesome. And, and they're like, what? You know, so <laughs> even even changing the way that we think about things, you know, will, will have a, a profound impact on the way that we live, you know, with regards to some of the things that are going on right now um, with these movements to defund the police. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm not for that. Yeah. Um, but it, what do we call them? We call them law enforcement agents, yeah. right? Or law enforcement. What if they're peace enforcement? Yeah. What if what if we changed our perspective? And said, "Okay, you guys go, you guys go and you know be peace officers. If something if something is disturbing the peace, then you should act on it. Yeah. If it's not disturbing the peace, chill out, bro. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you a thousand percent on that. And I, I, I try to avoid giving my personal perspective on this podcast, or I have tried to avoid giving it and I've tried to stay, you know, super objective and kind of stay down the middle. But I think one thing that needs to be addressed in Idaho, um, because so many States surrounding us are legalizing marijuana. It's a victimless crime. It crowds the prisons. It crowds the jails. It gives, I don't know. I, I, I don't see a positive for keeping marijuana illegal, just objectively looking at it. If, if booze is legal, weed should be legal. That's my personal perspective, but I don't know. I don't know what you think about it. I don't even know if you want to talk about it. Well, we're going there. Okay. We're, we're going, going there. there. <laughs> so this is in my first rodeo. Yeah. I'm not just a shiny pair of shoes. Yeah. Um, but with regards to, this is actually the second time I've run for state Senate. Okay. The first time was in 2016. And during that time I felt that it was, I mean, even nationally, there's, there's really no good reason to have that cannabis plant outlawed the way it is yeah you know you, you want to look at the history we don't even need to look at the history to know that it's bogus yeah that it was even the term marijuana or the term weed we don't need to we we need not carry the burden or suffer the burdens that that those names have have associated with them yeah you know so that's why i prefer to say cannabis yeah, yeah. or even industrial hemp hemp you know saying hemp our 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 American forefathers all used hemp. Yeah. You know, they probably used some cannabis and, you know, whether it's a, a sativa or I don't know, some other strain, you know, they probably used all this stuff. And it wasn't until 1930s, I think, when yeah. when somebody decided to introduce something because this, that, and something else, you know. But it, it, there is no, there's no good reason other than that's the way it is. Yeah, yeah. To have that still outlawed and I think we're missing a huge opportunity you know and and what is it that that doesn't give our legislators the ability to to act on it it's probably that fear yeah you yeah. know that fear is holding on or it's preventing us from being able to innovate yeah you know so there's 
there are hemp lotions, hemp seeds, hemp proteins, hemp all that stuff. And prior to you know just recently when it came down from the federal government where you can use hemp or industrial hemp on that farm bill that just passed mm -hmm. not too long ago. All that stuff came from outside sources. Yeah. You know, there there's no reason why we couldn't have people in District 22 raising their own industrial hemp yeah. for hemp purposes. Yeah. You know, not only that, we got a lot of desert out that way. And District 22 is actually southwest Ada County. Okay. Okay, so it's all of CUNA, bits of Meridian, and it's... Uh, it goes up to like... Uh, Cherry Lane, right? Cherry Lane, yep. yep. So we're yep. Fairview and Cherry Lane, um, where Fairview turns into Cherry Lane, that is the northern border of District 22. It runs down Meridian Road. Okay. Um, so on the west, on the west side of the, on the west side of the Meridian City Hall, shoots all the way down to Columbia, okay. which is in CUNA, makes a, a, a big left um, up and then shoots out all the way to like the interstate. So when you're driving down I-84 and you see those those solar farms, yeah, that's part of District 22. So there's okay. there's a big. So it's like, uh, what is it? Black Canyon Reservoir. Yeah. And then like, um, it, it's so funny when you drive out that way. It says Cuna Exit. Yeah. You know, but it's like, wait, I thought Cuna was way to the west. Right. But all that's Cuna. All of that is yeah. Cuna. Yeah. 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 So that that's where District 22 is, and and even you know not knowing what district you live in is something that people just don't know. I didn't even know until today. So this might be a good caveat. I was going to try to school the listeners a little bit on local politics. Um, so the Idaho Congress, there's, there's 35 districts in Idaho and each, each district elects one Senator. Correct. 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 And then there's 70 seats in the House. So each district represents two House representatives. Is that right? Or is it based on population? Nope, that's correct. That's and, they're, correct. and they're represented by um, seat A and seat B. Okay. But what I've, what I've come to learn is that nobody really knows what A or B means. Yeah. And it's just, okay, do you want to be A or do you want to be B? It's just a formality? It's kinda? just Yeah, it's just a, instead of saying 1A, 2A or you know, 1B, 2B, it's, that's how you know that these are your 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 representatives yeah um so yeah there's i don't maybe it should have been one alpha one omega you know yeah, yeah. that way there's they're, they're almost like hey, they're you know, equals yeah they're, they're yeah. kind of cool where <laughs> a and b is could be subjective um okay so and i actually i pulled this quote from wikipedia just because i don't i didn't want to get it wrong but it says today members of the idaho legislature are elected from 35 districts throughout the state some districts include several counties correct while others are located entirely within a single county. Ada County, which the majority of the population of Idaho lives in Ada, uh, currently has nine legislative districts just within its boundaries. So as of the 2010 redistricting, Ada County has legislative districts 14 through 22, which I had I didn't even know that. That's crazy. So very interesting. Yeah, and all that is primarily based off population. So it's critically important that or i guess you know we don't know where they get that data from they're getting it from the census okay so the census is, is something that is done or it's written in our constitution that we will have a census done every 10 years and if you have not yet filled out your census ballot or, or whatever it is i remember the last time i was living in east boise and then the census taker actually came and knocked on my door and we that's how we did our census yeah 
this year it was super simple. We just logged on, you know, probably like 11.45 at night. Yeah. Logged on, filled it out, probably took two minutes. Yeah. And now we're counted. And you, people should care that they do their census because it's going to determine how many representatives we have from Idaho on the national stage, right? Correct. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Yep. And I think that we're, we're seeing some explosive growth. Yeah. And a lot of that explosive growth has to do with what you and I did on that blue. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh so yeah. It, it, it's, it's an awesome time to be here in Idaho where, you know, we live pretty dang free in, in my humble opinion. And, you know, if I'm elected to that state Senate seat, then, you know, I would only look to, to improve upon that or, or really innovate, you know, that, that's, that's the whole, I think that's the whole thing that's missing is, is this innovation. We, we need to innovate and not be held in fear of, of being better. Yeah. You know, people will, will use, um, use data and, and talk about Idaho is ranked this in education or this per spend and this and that. And it's like, well, what are we doing to fix the problem? Yeah. You know, we need to innovate our way to a better tomorrow. Yeah. I, I've i learned that too in my adult life and in my professional career and owning my own business. Coming up with problems is really, really easy. But coming up with solutions to those problems, that's hard. And I struggle sometimes with, I want to point out the things that are wrong, but what's the point of me pointing those things out without having an idea on how to fix them. Um, I think it's good to bring that to the table, but you should bring it to the table with the intent of wanting to work on it, not telling, hey, what are you going to do about this problem? Saying that to someone else when you should take ownership of it and help, try to help fix it. Yeah, and this so. is something that I learned from from Coach Ville. I think he was still... Yeah, Coach tu- Tuivai? Yeah. yeah, Coach yeah. Tuivai. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of the... The processes that they went to and the the coaching sessions that they went to, you know, one of the things that really stuck with me that he told me was, you know, you highlight the behavior that you want, mm-hmm. you know, you you reinforce that behavior, and that that's how you you become a better coach. That's how you get more out of out of uh, out of that person, you know, so to speak. So even going um, through potty training my kids, yeah, it's. Props to the parents out there that that potty train their kids because it's it's a it's, it's definitely a task and yeah. if you're not if you're not on it you know those kids will not be potty trained according to how you think they should be yeah um, yeah but having that that patience and that that understanding and reinforcing that positive behavior you know celebrating those wins and that's something that I am so good with you know celebrate success yep you know somebody that I that I'm pretty sure we we both know or that are familiar with the name uh, Nick Schleckaway yeah. You know, seeing what he's been able to do from our time at BSU together. We, you know, graduated the same year. Um, but I saw him put in work, and his work ethic has just continued. And I've, I've been honored to see his growth tra- trajectory. Yeah. He shared an article um, this week about how Boise is, is one of the most livable cities or something to that effect. And there were there were three three prominent business leaders here. And he was one of them. Yeah. You know, and the yep. other one was uh, was a CEO by the name of uh, George Mulhern, who's the CEO of Cradle Point. I worked at Cradle Point for some time, and I I loved working at Cradle Point. It was a great time of, of learning and understanding and, and just seeing that whole technology, you know, community that's based here in Boise. Yeah. You know, the way that they're innovating daily, 
you know, and not even realizing how big Micron is. Yeah. It's, you know? Yeah. It, people forget about Micron and it is its own world over there. And it wasn't until I was out somewhere traveling in the United States and I see Micron mentioned on, I think it's like Fast Money or something like that. Uh-huh. You know, but it's like tech giant Micron. I'm like, oh, hey, that's yeah. Idaho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's, that's Boise. <laughs> yeah. You know, and so so there's a sense of pride that that, that I take and with regards to seeing these these names, you know, and like seeing Winco in California yeah. or or in Utah, you know, it's like, hey, that's an Idaho based company. Yeah. You know, it's something that that I take great pride in is, is buying Idaho. Yeah. You know, so every professional opportunity that I've had thus far in, in my life, you know, graduated and I was able to get with a, a local cater com- catering company mm-hmm. at a restaurant. From there, I went to bodybuilding.com. Um, who's a local company startup here, you know, um, and they're huge now too. They're on the national stage, world international. Yeah. You know, and, and, and the department that I worked in, you know, we had customers from all over the world communicating with us. Yeah. So from there, you know, I went to cradle point and cradle point is awesome at at what, what What do they do? do? What do, what does cradle point do? Cradle point is a cellular manufacturer, cellular router manufacturer. So if you need to bring in, uh, connectivity, you know, into a remote place, or even as a as a as your primary source, um, Cradle Point solves that solution. So, with regards to my my dealings there, were were more so on the public sector. Okay. So, making sure that fire trucks and and first responders had that connectivity that they need, so that they can communicate with everybody that they need to. Okay. You know, so I. I we're here, or Cradle Point. I say we're here because that, that, I mean. You still, you work there, yeah, yeah. I work there, and, <laughs> and I do have some 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 interest there yeah. um, as well because they, they're still a private company. Yeah. Um, but, like, Boise Fire uses them. CUNA Fire uses um, Cradle Points for connectivity on their apparatus. Okay. And that is a, a, a firefighting <laughs> term, you know, I just thought it was a fire truck. No, yeah. it's an actual apparatus. That's 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 what it's. <laughs> they called. get mad at you if you use the wrong terminology. Well, I don't think they'll get mad at you. They just know that you're ignorant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just like a this guy's not a firefighter. Yeah, the the HVAC guys. Now, though, if you do the HVAC around them, then they know that. Uh, yeah, that they might get mad at you or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. My dad was a firefighter. I don't know if you knew that or not. I did not know that. No. Yeah, my dad was a firefighter in Los Angeles for 32 years. Oh, well, wow. he's gonna get mad at me. Every time I say 32 years, he goes, I was a firefighter for 35 years because he was on the brush crew for three years before he got onto the city. But uh, yeah, man, I I don't know. Those guys are awesome. Firefighters are awesome. Um, that's awesome that a Boise-based company is providing that connectivity for them Yeah, around here. Yeah. So what, where, where'd you go after Cradle Point? So left Cradle Point and I'm currently at Blue Cross of Idaho. Okay. You know, and Blue Cross of Idaho is another Idaho-based company born and bred in Idaho. So I, I take it, I take great pride in, in knowing that I've, I've, I've used my time and talents for Idaho based companies yeah. to build where I live and where, where my family lives. Yeah. Um, a lot of, I mean, I think there's nothing wrong with, with celebrating that success. You know, it, it started in college and, you know, we just continue to, to grow and, and prosper. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, Oh man. I think it's it's pretty awesome when people take that amount of pride in the place that they're from, and especially, I mean, I, not that you're not from here. But oh, I'm, I mean, from, I'm from Cuna. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm from Kuna. Yeah, yeah. And that's how I feel too. People people look at me sometimes and they're like, dude, you were born in California. And I was like, I did all my growing up. Yeah. The majority of my growing up in Idaho. Um, and my parents sought out Idaho because they knew it was a good place to raise a family. Um, they knew that this is where they wanted to settle once they retired. And they're happily retired up in the foothills now. So it's pretty awesome to see that. The great thing about our shared experiences at least I think you and I would not have known that either of us are not from Idaho. Yeah, yeah. You know, just because, you know, you, you saw me on, or I was just a little bit older than you, but you saw me playing for the Boise State Broncos and all that stuff, and it's like, well, he, he's a Bronco. Yeah, You know, that, yeah. that's that's Idaho. Yeah. That's Boise, you yeah. know. And and I think, uh, you know, growing growing here, you know, in terms of where where you get to adult, you know, here, yeah, where you're you're going and you're buying your own shampoo, yeah, and your own toiletries, you know, it, it's it's a great experience to to learn and grow and and be from here. Like anybody, so this is actually pretty, could be petty, <laughs> I mean, could be, um, but some people uh, will, at least they don't they don't mean to be mean spirited about it. Yeah, but there's an air of you don't belong here. Yeah, yeah. So somebody will say, "Hey, where are you from?" And I'll say. I'm from Cuna. Yeah. Like, no, where are you from? Um, I was born in Sacramento. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, but where are you from? Like, bruh, just ask me. Yeah, what's what? your family heritage? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Heritage, yeah. ethnicity, ethnicity that, that type yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah. And and one of, one of the things that, you know, going back to that Eleanor Roosevelt quote, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. Yeah. Just don't consent to it. Yeah. And here's something that I take. I, I am very, very very prideful about and that's my americanism yeah my american citizenship is not worth any more or any less than your american citizenship yeah you know we were all born here and it wasn't you know obviously it was like the 15th amendment or whatever it is but natural born citizens are as american as american can be so some people will say oh i'm sixth generation this sixth generation that or my grandpa was or my great 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 grandpa was on the mayflower like people take super pride in that yeah and it's like well damn that's that's cool but i mean we're if you're american because some people aren't americans yeah but that is what you are yeah you know if i were to go to the place of my ancestors they'd look at me and say hey get this american fool out of here you know he's over here speaking the broken tongue and all that stuff and and not that 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 type of 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 anga or or that type of uh, outlook is 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 good or anything. Yeah. But that's just how I choose to identify. I'm an American. Yeah. You know, I'm American of Polynesian descent. Yeah. And I actually learned that from a UFC guy. It was a UFC fighter. It wasn't Mark Hunt, was it? No, it wasn't Mark Hunt. It was a it was a it was a Japanese fighter. Okay. Who said he's the Japanese fighter of Korean descent? Oh wow. So when he said that, I was like, bro, you just properly classified yourself according to your own beliefs. Yeah. More power to you. Yeah. He was born in Japan, but he's of Korean descent. Yeah. That's awesome. I thought that was an accurate, accurate depiction. So I'm, I'm an American of Tongan descent. Yeah. Okay. So I got to, since we're talking about your family heritage and where you're from, I have a very good friend. Um, who's actually my sister's best friend, Annie Nuvali, and she married Charlie Nuvali, who is, I don't even know how you guys are related. So can you explain how you're related to Charlie? Yeah, so Charlie and I are related first and foremost because he's my little brother. 
not by blood, but because I met him when he was probably around 22 years old. Okay. Um, he came and started playing rugby with us, and and from the first time we met, you know, there was this kinship that we had, and I can't really explain it. Yeah. But he saw me, and he thought, oh, he's a good dude. Yeah. You know, so, and I don't even know if he remembers this, but our first training session together, he's never played rugby before, but if you look at him, him being of, um, he's, well, I'll, I'll classify him as an American of, <laughs> of, uh, of Samoan and Tongan descent. Yeah. Um, but you look at some, anybody, any Polynesian person who says they've never played rugby before, you call bullshit. Yeah. You know, but that, that's true. Cause I mean, Charlie grew up here in Idaho, mm-hmm. you know, he went to Mountain View. So him not knowing the sport of rugby is, is kind of a, it's kind of an anomaly. Yeah. Um, but the first time we had a training session, he didn't know how to play rugby. He didn't probably didn't even know any of the rules, but we were traveling to Portland I thought it was pretty cool because at the end of the training session, I just meet him, but don't really know him from anybody else. Um, but he asked if he can get a ride in, in my, in our vehicle yeah. to Portland to drive, you know, to, to our match, our rugby match. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, obviously as a, as the rugby community is very, very open and, and welcoming, um, you know, a, a very open and welcoming community and humble, um, you know, mm-hmm. However, we can get there to, to play this sport that we love. Absolutely, let's do that. Yeah. But when I was talking to my my wife, girlfriend at the time, um, I was like, hey, you know, I just met this guy. He's uh, half Tongan, and half Samoan, and he's going to ride with us to 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 Portland. And she was like, oh, okay. Come to find out that somehow on his on Charlie's mom's side, she's related to my wife's side. Okay. And my wife is actually a, a She's an American of Tongan descent as well. She was born in Maui. Yeah. I like to joke that she's from a foreign country sometimes, <laughs> um, but it's all in good fun. Uh, but the, the crazy thing about uh, meeting my wife is that I met her here in Boise, Idaho, uh-huh. you know, and, and her parents are from the same island that, that my parents are from, but it took us to meet here in, in Boise for us to, to connect. Yeah. And, you know, the, the common response, which isn't wrong is, oh, what a small world. And then I always say, well, uh, more like a small island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so <laughs> there's there some connectivity there yeah. um, already. But, you know, getting back to Charlie, you know, just, just having that, that love and that offer, that's a Tongan word for love. Yeah. Um, like it was, it was immediate. You know, yeah. And, and him, his dad is, is of Samoan descent and his mom is of, of, uh, of Tongan descent. And they had Charlie. Yeah. I always like to joke. I mean, I know... I'm not really well versed in the Polynesian Polynesian culture, but I know if you say like, "Oh, that guy's Samoan and he's Hawaiian," I mean they'll take offense to that. Or if you say they're Samoan and they're Tongan, they'll take offense to that. And so I didn't really know. I mean, is there kind of a rivalry between Samoans and Tongans, or animosity between those two cultures? So I guess to answer that, it's all in the eye of the beholder. Okay. Right. So um, in my eyes, I don't really see that as much. Growing up, there was. There, there was some some feelings like that, but yeah. If you practice some aesthetic distance, it's like, bro, you look the same. Yeah, we 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 eat the same foods. We yeah. we kind of have some of the same words. There's there's no reason besides fear of of or just doing something because that's the way it was done. Yeah, to to even harbor these these ill feelings. And one of the quotes that I that I really really appreciate is, you know, harboring hate is like. Like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die from it. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's no need for it. There's no use for it. So, um, whenever 
I see somebody, and even here in Roaring Springs, um, the amount of people who look like they could be Polynesian descent has has increased. Yeah. Like I am out there, and it's probably because I'm a little bit of an extrovert. Where I'm like, hey, hey, what's up, man? You yeah. Know, hey, you know, let's let's, <laughs> let's connect. I yeah. mean, even in Salt Lake, where there's a, a big Polynesian community. Yeah. Like people like avoid eye contact. Yeah. You know, when there when there's other Polynesians around, and I don't know. My my wife <laughs> said it like this. Uh, she said. Um, are you familiar with the with the movie Trolls or the cartoon series? I know about it. I've never seen it. So basically, you have this this introvert and this extrovert, and they're the main characters. The uh-huh. Poppy, Queen Poppy, and she's a queen now. And uh, and Branch, who's the more Justin Timberlake's character, uh-huh. and he's like, I don't trust anybody. Anybody coming over here, you know, I, I, I would, you know, I'm, I'm gonna have my stuff ready. Yeah. Um, but she said, Mick, you're you're more Poppy. I'm more Branch. Uh huh. So I'm like, huh. I guess that's kind of true. Yeah, you know where where I don't mind going out and meeting people and and being around people and 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 sharing the the space with people and there's a there's a great book that we were just listening to on our drive called uh, Game Changers by David Asprey. Uh huh. And it was talking about the gravitational force you have with some people and then the the uh, almost like a steel bar relationship you have with some people. Uh huh. You know where you have that that idea of. I cannot talk to this person for five years. We're in the same room. We pick up, you know, right where we left off. Yeah. And to me, that's that gravitational force where you guys are, are in sync or, or vibing on that level with each other. Yeah. And, you know, the the other one is more transactional where um, I'm going to be in, the, in this person's space because I have to or I need to be for this moment in time. Other than that, then, you know, we're probably not going to be around each other. You know, we have family members that are like that. We have friends who... Are, are like that yeah but there's there's gravitational force and and just auras that that you know you can or some people are very adept at, at reading certain auras yeah and if you're open then people want to be around you yeah you know and and if you're if you're if you have again that attitude of gratitude you know it it's 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 a lot easier to be around someone who's grateful for whatever it is that they have or or their their shared time with you yeah. Than it is for someone who's kind of you know mopey, whiny, you know that Eeyore syndrome. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. I I think uh, part of that growing up that I've experienced recently, and I'm not saying I'm grown up now because I think I'm going to be growing forever. I don't think there, I'm ever going to hit a point where, you know, I know everything. But having that Eeyore syndrome or being around people that you think you don't want to be around is such a strange mentality to me now. I mean, I know I used to be like that and sometimes I'm like that now and I have to fight it. But if you're around company, why not engage with them? Why not try to learn something new? Why not, you know, figure out something about them that you didn't know? Cause you might gain a new friend, you know? And at least you tried. Yeah. And at least you tried. And at least you tried. So you know that you tried and you can't, you don't have, you don't have that thought of, Oh, I wonder what would, what would happen if I would have done this. Yeah. You know, or, or, what if uh, what if I would have just said hi to this person? Uh, so there's another radio personality that I listen to a lot, and his name is uh, Dave Ramsey, uh-huh. and he he his his biggest reason for being known is helping people get out of debt. Mm-hmm. And because of him, like I've always been pretty fiscally responsible. I yeah. remember in in high school, somebody asked me, "Hey, what is what is your financial goal? You know, when you grow up?" And I was like, "Well, I just want to be debt free." Yeah. You know, and then learning about Dave Ramsey and, and some of the principles that he that he espouses are, you know, be debt free. And a lot of it does come from an evangelical Christian background. And I'm I'm 
totally okay with it. Yeah. You know, I was mm-hmm. raised in, in my dad's church. It was a Tawataina of America. And that's the name of the church? It's the name of the church. Oh, wow. You know, so he, he became an ordained minister. Um, he likens himself a, a, a reverend pastor. He got his honorable doctorate uh, not too long ago. Um, but coming up in that church and, and all the services were done in Tongan, um, I, have, I have a very familiar sense of, of, of God. Yeah. Um, or of, of the Christian God, I'll just go ahead and say that. Yeah. Um, growing up, my mom was a, was a strong Catholic as well, but uh-huh. she was the, the, the d- devoted wife where if her husband is going to go ahead and start this Christian church, she's 100% behind him yeah but i still know what catechism is oh yeah you know yeah. and 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 we went to those or i went to private school private catholic school um for preschool and kindergarten uh-huh we still say some of those prayers that we learned in kindergarten oh yeah you no know, to yeah. this day oh i can recite them all i went to bishop kelly so i went to you know catholic high school and we went to church every single sunday and sometimes more than once a week yeah so yeah so just having that appreciation for you know the way some people or even most people in America were were brought up with that tradition of God is is something that I can definitely appreciate um in terms of getting back to history what we were talking about you know a lot of the way our society is made yeah is has roots in in, in Rome yeah um and then looking back at you know what's actually in my DNA or you know my my genetic sequencing yeah um a lot of things were 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 considered the new norm after missionaries came to the the Polynesian islands. Yeah. You know, where I think, um, or there's just people continue to, to research and do some, some great worth anthropologically to uncover some of the things that were, that predated Christianity in those islands. Um, I think the biggest proponent of being Polynesian right now is the rock. Oh yeah. Yeah. I appreciate everything that he's done. Yeah. You know, for the advancement of or awareness of Polynesian people. Um, But one thing I don't want people to lose sight of is that's just half of him. Yeah. You know, he looks more like his mom's side than his dad's. But what's his other half? He's black. He's black. Black and Polynesian. Yeah. He's black and Polynesian. Good looking dad. Um, You know, beautiful mom. Um, But I think a lot of people will see him and only think, oh, he's he's the representation for all Polynesians. Yeah. You know, but hey, he's. He also represents, you know, that that swath of people too. Yeah, you know, those, yeah. those black people. I mean, Johnson is not uh, a Polynesian last name to my to my yeah, mouth, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> but but neither is Smith and neither is, is Wolfgram. But there are a lot of Tongan people walking around with with those last names. Well, that Smith stuff probably came from the Christians that came to the islands, right? And they adopted that Christian name. Possibly, yeah. possibly. I don't know the the actual um, history behind it, but. I mean, some of my cousins are very fair-skinned. Yeah. Um, and their last names are Smith, and that came from the that came from the German, uh, the German Smith. Even though I don't know how the heck you say Smith in German because it's not Smith. Schmidt maybe or something. Yeah. Or I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But they spell it, you know, with with the with the English. Yeah. Um, Smith. Um, in addition to that, you know, just talking about Russians in in Hawaii. Yeah. Like we mentioned earlier, there were Germans in in the Polynesian Islands. Okay. You know. And that that's where you get that Wolfgram last name, that that Bell, that Guten Bell, the the Smith. Yeah. Um but the reason and I didn't know this until one of my one of my 
one of my uh, uh, yeah one of my one of my cousins here um, in Cuna told me um, that the reason why there's an American Samoa and a Western Samoa yeah is because after World War II Germany was not allowed to have any land outside of Germany okay and at the time that Western Samoa was was part of the German occupancy um, but because World War II happened Germany couldn't have any influence or outside influence um, the the people of Western Samoa became their own sovereign state yeah and the people that were over in American Samoa you know still aren't necessarily citizens uh, of America but they're they're still a territory because yeah. the allies won the war do they not have they don't so they don't have American citizenship in American Samoa they do not oh interesting yeah. do they have a representative they, oh, they don't maybe they Maybe it was Guam or something. I think I was reading something recently about how they have a representative, but they don't have voting power. Yeah. Which, like, if they're paying taxes, isn't that, like, taxation without representation? So I think it comes down to more so the land rights. Okay. So what I've been told, and anybody who has Google right now, feel free to fact check. Yeah. But the reason why people in American Samoa don't have U.S. citizenship has to do with land rights, where the land rights are still owned exclusively exclusively by the people in American Samoa. Okay. And not the federal government. Not the federal government. You know, and and that's something that uh, that I'm assuming in Puerto Rico, any American or any, I guess, not even American, anybody can go and buy land for the right price there. Yeah. You know, where in in American Samoa, much like in in Tonga. You you need to know somebody to bless off the, you know the purchase of this land and and uh, you know the land is so tied ingrained in the people there that yeah I, I don't I don't have I don't have any reason to knock what they are doing over there because that works for them yeah but getting back to American Samoa I was I was uh, a little bit disturbed or a little bit uh, disappointed. Because they had on the Democratic side of uh, of the presidential primaries, there was someone who had some actual Samoan blood. Oh, that was on the ticket. Who was it? Tulsi Gabbard. Oh yeah, like yeah. Her grandmother is actually like Fasa Moa, like she's just straight Samoan. Yeah. And I was thinking, hey man, just just go just go fill in her box, you know, just, yeah, yeah, just yeah. so so she can win. Yeah. Turns out she didn't uh, she didn't do as as favorably as I would have thought she would have done so American Samoa has six delegates for the Democratic primary and she got one. Oh wow yeah the other five went to Bloomberg oh wow what the heck yeah yeah I uh I mean I have my whole like I said I don't I don't want to get into politics but I mean I'm very critical of the Democratic Party for you know bumping Bernie out bumping Tulsi out Tulsi did really well at the uh debates that she was in but then she wasn't invited to certain debates. But I think that they don't like Tulsi because they don't think that they can control her, which is something I respect. Like, I mean, she's she checks all the Democratic boxes. Like, she's a female. She served in the military. I mean, you can say she's a person of color. Yeah. I mean, it's like that kind of seems like the perfect candidate. But because she can't be bought out, they didn't want her. So, yeah. yeah. I think that's that sentiment is shared with a lot of different people. And... And I would have liked to see her. My my top three in the Democratic primary were were Bernie, 
Tulsi, then Yang. Okay, yeah. Like, I, like yeah, those those three were my were my top three, and you know, they they aren't going to win the the Democratic primary. Um, but yeah, I I think a lot of the ideas that those three represented really are are more more centered around liberty mm-hmm. than you know trying to do something so that you're in power. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think there there was some, definitely some innovative thinking with regards to what Andrew Yang brought to the table. Um, so yeah, th- those were I was definitely tuned in to watch the debates and yeah. and see different different mediums that they were all trying to get their message out. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Some, something you were talking about earlier when we first started, um, it, the defund the police thing, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. I think if anything, you know, we should hold the police to a higher standard and especially if they had to get more training and fit higher qualifications, they would make a better salary too. Um, but something Andrew Yang was talking about was he thought every law enforcement officer in the United States, which I don't know if you could just blanketly say that because obviously certain places need different things than other places. Like California probably needs something like Los Angeles and California probably needs something different than Cheyenne, Wyoming, obviously. Um, but he thought that every law enforcement officer should be at least a purple belt in jujitsu, hmm. which I don't know. I mean, who knows how much ground game these guys know and how much, um, grappling they know and like i did jujitsu for about a year and just knowing what certain people are capable of gives you a lot more respect for just walking around you know like looking at average people it's like okay any of these guys could know Mm jujitsu you know i mean i think it it gives you a little bit more respect for what people can learn and it also teaches you how to de-escalate situations without you know having to kill someone (laughs) So that's an, I didn't know that about that. Uh, Andrew Yang, Andrew Yang yeah. was, was talking about jujitsu. And I think just knowing that anyone who has the badge has at least a purple belt or yeah. is working towards a purple belt. Would make, maybe make you hesitate about messing with them. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and not only that, but you know, they, they'd probably have confidence in their abilities to grapple with somebody, mm-hmm. you know, where they don't need to do, you know, a certain, certain hold or, or anything like that, but you know, they could, Almost like wrestling, you know, where I have a little bit of a wrestling background. Yeah. But just understanding leverage. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, exactly. Leverage. You know, offensive lineman. That's that's yeah. All day, every day, you know. Yeah. Having having leverage. Um, but yeah, that that that's an interesting thought to have that just part of the training. Yeah. You know, and I I'm by no means the expert, but I definitely revere and, and hold uh police officers in, in high regard. Yeah. You know, I want I would want my kids to know that if they're in trouble, they should seek the help of a police officer. Yeah. Because I do believe that they are here to protect and serve, especially here in in the Treasure Valley. Yeah. You know, I, I think that we have good cops here. Yeah. But it is very interesting to, to see the current climate in the nation because it's something that people of color have had in the back of their mind. Yeah. You know, every time I've been pulled over, um, I vote, well, when I was a, when I was at Boise State, I can say, oh, well, you know, I'm just a student, uh, you know, sorry, all this kind of stuff. But that does cross your mind if if you aren't familiar with law enforcement. And one of the things that I am going to do and, and try to do if, if we have um, the resources to do it 
is actually do those ride-alongs. Like yeah. When we were incoming freshmen, we were designated to go take ride-alongs, you know, during the weekend with, mm-hmm. with police. And I'm not sure if that was something that you guys had. Yep, yep. But those ride-alongs are, are, are eye-opening. You know, you have a, a better appreciation of what it is that, that a police officer would encounter. Yeah. Um, so just having that perspective is, is something that, that will help you make better decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's awesome how coach Pete continued that. I, I, so when you were a freshman, obviously coach Hawk was the coach, but coach Pete continued that tradition. And I think having a relationship with the cops, knowing that you can trust them, you know, if you're at a house party and something goes wrong, I mean, I was at plenty of house parties where, um, Oh gosh, I forget the cop's name now, but, uh, Breck. Yeah. So Breck Orton was one of them. Okay. And then there was a tall black guy, Galloway, Galloway, yeah. officer Galloway. Yep. So both of those guys, like I felt safer when they would show up to, to house parties because I knew them. I knew that they knew everyone else at the party too. And people respected them because they came and talked to us. Um, we had a good relationship with them that started out, you know, coach Pete would introduce us. We knew him from being freshmen all the way until we graduated and they would come and talk to us all the time about what not to do, certain trends that were popping up at the college that we should avoid, places we should avoid. Um, and I think building that relationship is key because if you're not around the cops all the time and then you have one interaction with a cop, it's probably not for the right reasons, you know? So Yeah, I and I may have been speeding a little bit and I didn't really pay attention. So, yeah. you know, and also, also having that mindset of, Let's examine where we're at right now as opposed to worrying about what might happen. Yeah. You know, so really appreciating what our current state is as opposed to playing into that fear of what might happen. Let's actually deal with what is. You know, yeah. let's deal in the present. You know, it's like the past is history. The future is unknown. Today is all we have. That's why it's called the present because it's a gift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, got that from Ugwe on Panda, Kung Fu Panda. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You probably watch all those movies because you have kids. How, how old are your kids? I don't need to have kids to watch more cartoons. Uh, well, I watch cartoons. I guess I have yeah. zero kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 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 all for uh, for whatever it is that is not destructive, and you want to be an advocate or or a consumer of that. Yeah, go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. You know, like I watch a lot of uh, or I at one point I watched a lot of Dragon Ball Z. Yeah, the main character is the dude named Goku who just wants to love people and train hard and, and be the best at this one thing. Yeah. He doesn't need to be the smartest, but everybody knows that his, his, his heart is in the right place where he cares about people. And if somebody wants to come over here and do harm to the people that he loves, well, he's going to do everything that he can to make sure that he prevents that from happening. Yeah. You know, he's not going to be the aggressor, but he's going to finish it. Yeah. 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 And that's another thing that I think growing up, I think a lot of people have anxieties when they're in high school and college about what other people think about them based on what they're interested in. And you kind of, because of those social anxieties, you fake what you're interested in to try to fit in. And I, I think it's so awesome when you see people that are super passionate about something that they don't care what anybody else thinks about it. And I mean, I don't know if you noticed some of the stuff that I have in this room, but I am obsessed with Legos. And I think Legos are the coolest thing in the world and for the longest time, I I just hid that. I didn't tell people about it, and I kind of kept it like a closeted thing. But it's like, why should I? If it's something that gives me joy, yes, yeah, like why would I be embarrassed about it? Celebrate it. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, it's like so. we were walking through Walmart uh, probably a couple months ago, 
And I saw some Dragon Ball uh, little dolls. Uh huh. You know, and like my wife said, "Oh, you can buy that for the kids." I'm like, "I'm buying this for me. <laughs> this is this is for me." You yeah. know, the, the, one of one of the benefits of being an adult and to have some resources is you can do what you want. Yeah. With that, like having dessert first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love having <laughs> dessert first. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's what. That's kind of how my love for Legos as an adult got sparked because when I was younger, you know, for Christmas or maybe my birthday, my parents would get me a Lego set, but there was always like that giant Lego set that they never bought for me. And when I got my first job after college, I was like, I'm going to go buy a big Lego set just because I can now, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So just thinking about you can, you can do it. So you're going to do it. Yeah. One of my financial goals growing up was being able to buy a big bag of Cheetos, oh, regular yeah. Cheetos, crunchy Cheetos, and a big bag of hot Cheetos, pouring them in a bowl and eating them. Yeah. Like that was just a simple financial goal that I have that, you know, I was able to actualize in high school. Yeah. So, you know, setting those goals and making sure that they're smart. Yeah. You know, smart goals. Of, what is that? Um, smart. Oh. Specific. Attainable. Measurable. Yep. Specific. Measurable. Attainable. attainable realistic. And time bound. Yeah. You know, so I was able to get those bag of hot Cheetos, put them together and yeah, and enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, my wife and I, we we have not officially done the Dave Ramsey stuff, but we both know kind of the gist of it. Um, not getting ourselves into trouble with credit card stuff, paying our house off as quickly as possible. Yes. Um, you know, not having a car payment. Those are all very achievable goals that I think most people can achieve. Um, you just got to be smart. You don't have to be, you don't have to make a lot of money to be wealthy. You just have to spend less than you make. Yeah. One of the, one of the sayings that Dave Ramsey likes to say is, is, you know, broke is, is temporary. Poor is a mindset. Yeah. Being broke is, is temporary. There, you know, you're just passing through. You start to do things that smart people do with money. You're going to be smart. Yeah. You know, and, and actually having at the at the beginning of this pandemic when things were, were not looking too well and, and certain businesses were not allowed to operate, having the peace of mind of having a, an, an emergency fund of, you know, three to six months is something that a lot of our fellow citizens didn't have or still don't have. Yeah. You know, where they they were over leveraging themselves and hopefully it was because they they were in desperate need of it. And it wasn't just to say, just for people who you don't really know have this perceived notion of this is your status. Yeah. You know, I remember in 20, 2012 when we bought our house from Nick Schleckaway. <laughs> so we were one of uh, one of maybe, well, we were, we were clients of Schleck since 2012. Uh -huh. That's when he was still a firefighter. And he was uh, working his transition way to to what his what his uh, main hustle is now. Yeah. Um, we went and bought out in Cuna for uh, you know a, a pretty reasonable amount. I believe that most people, when you're talking about people in the actual selling industry or the home home industry, they they like to say a price per square foot. Yeah. Yeah. Is is the is the terminology they like to 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 use. Um. We bought our house currently at sixty nine dollars a square foot. Yeah, and I actually went to a 
an open house of Richie Brockles, another former teammate of mine, yeah. in my neighborhood or right there in the CUNA area. And the price per square foot was like $220. Wow. And it's like, well, that's, I mean, these are old numbers, right? Yeah. Like they're, the intrinsic value of this wood or this paint that's on my house has not changed. Yeah. But the value, um, the value increases and, and I'm, I'm not sure that it's warranted, but I won't actually realize it until I actually sell the house or, or have, you know, or something happens to where we, I mean, right now it's just an asset, Yeah, you know, and, and, and it, the value of it can go up and it can go down. Yeah. But what I, the, the main value of it is provides a roof over my family's head where it's warm and, you know, cool when, when it needs to be. Yeah. That, that's to me that that's the most basic function. And we just happen to be at a, in a position in 2012 where we could move on that. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a good place to be. Yeah. But having that, three to six month emergency fund after having no other liabilities or no debts, you know, puts yourself in a, in a, in a position to where maybe you can do something that you wouldn't have been able to do because those resources, those finite resources, those financial resources needed to be allocated somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just going back to like our own state budget here. Um, you know, our, our, our governor, governor little has said, that there's going to be cuts across the board, you know, of millions of dollars and 5% in education. Well, if we had, you know, an informed citizenry, we'd see that the state isn't collecting on $2.49 billion worth of revenue that's lawfully, and I'll put that in quotes because some yeah. people will say, oh, it's unlawful to do some stuff. But at least according to the Constitution and the laws that are on the books, our legislature doesn't collect $2.49 billion worth of revenue that it can lawfully realize as, as revenue. What is that? It's a, it's a collection of, of taxes that are, that are exempt or um, because somebody has some arrangement with somebody that says, hey, we're not going to collect that this time uh, or this legislative se- session. Oh, yeah, we're not going to collect that this other time. And one of my biggest things is you got to be accountable. You that know, seem that seems like a kickback. It's something. Yeah. It's something that I don't propose or I'm not a proponent of at all. Yeah. You know, with regards to just like you were saying that you're you're on your 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 nutrition plan. Mm-hmm. You know, there has to be a, a deficit of something so that you get to where you want to be. Yeah. You know. So either your either your your consumption needs to go down and your output needs to go up. Yep. Or a combination of both. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's the that's the great thing about in terms of just the basic principles of, of living debt free is you have resources available to you, you know, where you need to experience some of that pain or some of that growth to become debt free because everybody is told that they need to take out money or, you know, get loans for what? So you can establish credit. Mm-hmm. So what? You can take out more money. For what? So you can get a better credit score. Yeah. You know, but living within your means is is a lot is a lot better than than you know living outside your means and and having that stress uh, financial stress on you. Yeah. So, and I I think a lot of people do certain things. 
because of those social anxieties that maybe they haven't gotten over from high school or college. Like they think they need to have the biggest house in the world, even if they can afford, you know, the monthly payment on it. It's probably not the best decision because it's going to take super long to pay off or buying a new car. You know, if they have a $600 car payment, that's probably, I mean, the short term feel good thing that you get from buying that car is not as good as the feeling that you're going to be debt free, you know, if when you're 35 or whatever your financial goal is. So I think if people can swallow their pride a little bit and push those anxieties aside and look a little bit more to the future, I mean, they can, they can make a better future for themselves. Absolutely. So. And, and then in terms of just anxiety in general, you know, what are, and again, I'm not a, I'm not a medical professional, Yeah. but I know there's Prozac, Xanax, all these other pharmaceutical grade drugs that are, that are supposed to alleviate some of those symptoms. Yeah. You know, when going back to cannabis, this plant will help alleviate some of that without any of those negative side effects. Yeah. You know, when, when the state started to uh, restrict what businesses were open, I was like, gosh, why the heck? What is this? What is this that I'm feeling? And I was like, well, I think it's anxiety. Yeah. You know, and it, it's probably just because it's something that I've never been around. Yeah. Haven't had a chance to, to process everything. But, you know, being a, a husband and a, and a father and wanting to make sure that my kids are okay, you know, I, I think I had a little taste of what it what anxiety or, or like a panic attack might be like. Mm-hmm. And then in that thinking, I was like, well, I can't go and just get something that's going to help me or like, you know, something from the cannabis plant that will help me. I'd have to drive to Ontario. Yeah. You know, so not only would I have to get in the car, drive to Ontario, but then all that tax revenue that I could be spending or that, that Ontario, those people, that Oregon's collecting. Yeah. Is going to Oregon. Yeah. It's not, not staying, to Idaho. It's not staying here in Idaho. Yeah. You know, and, and like uh, we mentioned earlier, um, I'm all about buy Idaho, invest in Idaho. Let's, let's make Idaho, you know, as, as, as the most livable state in the country. Yeah. You know, and, and just going back to some of the things that, that I know Mayor Beater was all about, you know, that was his that was his motto was make Boise the most livable city. Now I don't mind if Kuna was the most livable city because that's where, that's where we are. Hey man, it, it's kind of looking that way. I feel like P- Kuna is blowing up and people love Kuna now. Yeah. 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 We, we, uh, we, we got some good things going out, you know, that way, especially if we uh, elect a state Senator from, from Kuna. Yeah. Yeah. Nick lost 2020. Yeah. Um, state Senate. Um, but you know, we, we have still a bit of, a a big opportunity with regards to getting something that grows from the earth. We can commercialize it here. And granted, we should definitely take steps to make sure that people are taken care of. But again, even those, you know, those concepts that you brought up earlier about jail time and, and the legal system and the burden that it places on, on officers, I don't officer, I don't know who's being hurt, but I, like you said, this is probably a victimless crime. Yeah. You know, let this dude or gal do what they need to do to to be to be cool in their 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 setting. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I think uh, I think it's a little ridiculous that we're still having this conversation at this point. And I understand that there's hoops that you have to jump through and legislative sessions that have to be done and things have have a process to go through. But resources could be spent in other places rather than still arguing about marijuana. I yeah. think, I think the country is headed that direction. Let's get it over with, man. Yeah. And, and in terms of talking about the legislative session, 
that just happened. You know, there was a there was a, a bill that was produced that was produced out of the Senate, and it had to do with regards to somebody changing the their gender or their sex on their birth certificate, and that went through the the Senate, went through the House. Yeah. Governor Little signed it. Yeah. How many freaking times have you heard of anybody trying to go change the the sex on their birth certificate? Yeah. Not not many. How yeah. many times have I? Have I, you know, you probably have to go to uh, Social Security or whoever's in charge of birth certificates, maybe a hospital, yeah. to find that. But you, you took time and resources to focus on that instead of trying to find out a solution for, you know, property taxes or, you know, making sure that, that our teachers are, are compensated and, and that the career ladder for teachers is still in place, whether or not we have, you know, a shrinking or growing economy. You went and put your time and attention on that yeah. instead of doing something that would be more more helpful to all of Idaho. Yeah. Not just your constituents where you come from. Yeah. I, I think as people get older, they start paying a little bit more attention to these local politics and especially national politics. Um, but they don't realize how much of their paycheck actually goes towards these local politics. And I think if they, you know, looked on their taxes every year and said, how much money did I spend towards the Senate? And they were, they spent all this time arguing about these things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. And when when are my interests gonna be taken care of? Yeah, like even looking at a at a county assessor, I don't know if it's a receipt or a bill or or whatever it is. Yeah, you know, there's like some dollars are allocated to cemeteries. Yeah, you know, and that's something that that probably you know as a high school we don't we don't teach that. Yeah, or it's not in the curriculum. Yeah, that that'd be known. But you know, there there's definitely more important work than freaking what somebody as their own individual human human being wants to be recognized on their birth certificate. Yeah. That that is that shouldn't be a top priority that actually gets to the governor's desk. Yeah. Property tax relief should be something that that is there, you know, adopting the freaking farm bill that was passed by United States Congress, which is the supreme law of the land, yeah. to match the fact that we can now grow industrial hemp here in Idaho. Yeah. So some of the um some of the I don't know if you saw, but a gentleman who was hauling hemp through our oh, through our state, he got, got stopped. Right, he got stopped and got caught up for what? Yeah, and I, he he had tons and tons and tons of hemp that I think it went bad, didn't it? it yeah, got spoiled. So all that went bad, and now he has a record here in Idaho for Tra- this, trafficking or something or. Something that shouldn't even be on the books. Yeah. You know, if it doesn't work, freaking get rid of it. Yeah. You know, like when, if, if something doesn't work, it needs to be examined and, and removed. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you keep doing something just because, just because it's not a good enough reason. Yeah. Yeah. Ridiculous. Um, so we are coming up. Oh man, we're already over an hour and a half. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to start wrapping it up a little bit. But I want to plug you a little bit. So you're running for um, state senate out of District 22. If you guys don't know where District 22 is, it's in CUNA. And Meridian. CUNA and Meridian. So and southwest Ada County. You can Google um, Idaho State Legislative Districts. And, I mean, it's fairly easy. It'll pop up. If you don't know what district you're in, I think you should go look. And you should figure out which representative you want to vote for. It's very important because that person's going to be making decisions for your district. Um, that also impact your Idaho life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know whether or not that speed limit wants to go up. That's 
probably something that we could deal with at a, at a county level, but you know, at a at a state level too. Yeah. Um, so election day, the so we vote on the November third, correct? Yep. The general election is November third, twenty twenty. Um, if you live in District twenty two, which is CUNA, read up on Mike's policies. Uh, Mike's an awesome guy. I we haven't talked much. When we have talked, uh, you've been a very pleasant person to to be around. Um, and I have been giving people a little bit of time at the end of the podcast to, you know, plug themselves and either if you want to give a quote or something, um, but it's the time is yours to wrap this up. So, well, thank you very much again for the opportunity to come out and just articulate some of the things that I believe in, not only from the political spectrum, but also just as a, as an everyday Idahoan, you know, I consider myself an, an everyday Idahoan because this is where I live. This is where I've spent the majority now of my, my life here, you know, 17 years since 2003, you know, that that's about half of my life. And, all of my ideas have been shaped by the people that are here in Idaho. Um, love this state, love our city, love that you know we can go out here and, and just be be free, be be compassionate, um, but lead with love. You know, there's a saying that's you know, speak softly but carry a big stick. Lead with love and still carry a big stick. Yeah, yeah. You know, so just be out there, be be kind, be compassionate. Um, if you are listening to this and would like to learn more. Uh, feel free to visit the Mick Lucifer State Senate Facebook page, as well as the uh, use the hashtag Elect Mick M I K um, to see some of the social media dealings. Also, electmick.com, E L E C T M I K dot com, and that'll get you to the information that you're you're seeking. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on the podcast, Mick Lose. Uh, District 22 for State Senate. Thank you very much, Spencer. All right. Thanks, man.